Hello, Monetization Nation. Welcome back to another episode with Ali Schwenke. In the last episode, we talked about taking the path of most resistance along with Ali's entrepreneurial journey, B2B versus B2C content marketing, and quick wins. In today's episode, we'll discuss why content marketing is so powerful and Ali's tips for successful content marketing. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. How much do you, are, are you working with your B2B teams on, on web chat? Uh, we, I mean, we talk about it being a, a piece of the, the overall journey, but unless you happen to be if you have a software company or a solution that has more of a self-guided journey to, to purchase, there is a need for, for chat to be part of that. Um, but I see too many companies that have like a one size fits all chat solution. Like, Hey, here I am chat with me. Yeah. Whereas, you know, chat's really supposed to be the place where you think ahead of the questions that someone would have relative to the information that they're viewing. So on, if, I'll use an example of a software company. If they get to the pricing page, you know, the chat that's there specifically should be, do you have any questions about pricing? Or if you know that someone's always thinking about like, um, you know, which level interests you most today, or, or again, like I don't have the answers there because those are typically things you need to develop from looking at your analytics, looking at what people are asking you, using that data side to really inform the creative. But um, chat is, is powerful. It's just not a, you don't need to throw it on every page of your website. Right. Can you share with us, what are some of your top strategies and, and stories about content marketing? Well, there's one story that comes to mind that, um, so it was a company that was, uh, doing strategic planning and they, um, they were writing articles that were very interesting to their audience, but they weren't getting much, um, traffic from a search engine perspective. And so the, the tip that I often tell people is there's two different types of blogging and most companies don't know that they're actually doing one or the other, and they don't really know what camp they're in and why. So the two different types are there's thought leadership driven content. So there's, um, these are like the sexy titles that are designed to get kind of the clickbait. Um, you know, you and I may have already read the five ways to optimize your LinkedIn profile that that would be a search driven headline. Cause someone's going to type in, how do I optimize my LinkedIn profile? That's SEO driven, but the thought leadership, like sexy title version of that would be, um, five ways you, you bombed your last interview because your LinkedIn profile sucks. Like, no one's going to search for why your LinkedIn profile sucks, but they might, they might stumble upon that on social, or if that's in an email newsletter, they're going to be like, Oh, did I, did I really bomb that interview? Because my LinkedIn profile is so awful. Um, yeah, that people are interested in that. So when it comes to deploying written content, you have to, you have to understand which camp you're in because each one of those has different strategies. So this company that I just mentioned said, you know, well, why aren't we getting more traffic to our website? The only way they're going to get more traffic with sexy thought driven, thought leadership driven content is to find other audiences to leverage. So this podcast interview would be an example of that where you're leveraging someone else's audience instead of relying on someone's Google search or YouTube search to find your right. content. And I think people, if you're not in content every day, it's just kind of hard to understand. So. Okay. Uh, what other 
uh, top strategies about content marketing would you like to share? This, this one's a little counterintuitive if you think about it, but content is, um, there's two things to content success. One is um, consistency. So when you stop publishing content, people start asking questions. And when people ask questions and you're not there to answer their questions, they make up their own stories. So that's one thing that I think, I think a lot of times companies will, or marketing directors will look for the home run type of content. Oh, you know, the last three blogs that we wrote didn't go over really well, but some of the success of what you're going to see is simply by showing up every single week. Um, same thing in baseball, you're going to have bad games. You're going to have, you know, bad at bats, but overall your average is going to be what it needs to be. And what is it? Point three to get into the hall of fame. Um, that's not very, you're not hitting very many home runs to do that. You're just yeah. getting three out of 10 bats. So consistency is one. Uh, the second one that people have to keep in mind is that um, in order for you to really have content success, you, you do need to use those words, just like I mentioned of your customers, write about the things that they are faced with, not the things you want to talk about. So there's often this like Venn diagram of like, write about the things that customer cares about. And then write about the things that your product or service can solve for them. And where those two meet together is where your content should be. Cause if it's not, if you write just about what they're having problems with, you'll get a lot of traffic and not a lot of conversions. If you write about just what your product does, you'll get not a lot of traffic or, and you'll get people that are like, this is great, but you'll have two visitors. So yeah. those two together is, is the hard part. Cause the CEO sometimes, or the product team will say, we should write about this. And the marketing team has to be able to say, this is where we stay, everybody, if you want content marketing to actually pay off. Okay. One more strategy about content marketing. One more strategy. Um, it's as equally important to promote as it is to create. So if you were going to err on the side of consistency and you want to, you can't keep up with every week, I would much rather see you publish one really great piece of content a month and promote the heck out of it. So that means your one piece of content might be a really great guide, a really good blog post, a really good video, and it's reshared on social. It's put over on Medium. It's you know shared over on BuzzSumo. It's put put out as an infographic. It's like you repurposed it and reshared it, so that yeah. you have all of this kind of groundswell. That's not just like a new thing every week. Yeah. Okay. Why do you feel content marketing is so powerful today? Um, I, I thought about this in advance, so I wrote something down for myself, but it, um, it really equips customers with the power to make what they feel like is their own buying decision. I think when in the eighties and nineties, as we saw the influx and, and growth of the, of the internet and, and information age, you even see this like in real estate. So think about, I was never a home buyer in the days when you didn't have access to the MLS listings. I was never a home buyer where I had to go to the office and have someone sit down and put house offerings in front of me. I've always been in the age where I go online and I look at the neighborhood that I want. And the realtor to me just feels like a person that I have to go through to get to the house. Yeah. Well, so, so content marketing is the same way. And every industry now feels that like I can go buy a car but how much do I know what I'm doing when I'm buying that car? That's where content comes in. So if I feel like you've educated me to the point where I feel like I know enough that I can not have to, I'm not being tricked or duped in the sales process, then I'm a, then I have a good buying experience. And that's what content facilitates uh, at the end of the day. Can you share with us a story of a client that's done something really cool or innovative with content yeah, what marketing? 
Yeah. One of our clients had done a research report, which um, is a, is a powerful strategy, but it's one that's definitely a lot more uphill than it is downhill. Um, they, uh, you know, surveyed everybody that had, um, they're in a, they're in the dealership. Uh, they, they sell services to dealerships. And so they had surveyed all of these, uh, folks and came out with some findings and actually had, had created this, I want to say it's probably a 30 something page report, but out of it, then, um, you know, produce infographics, produce videos, we're able to link it to case studies. And what that, that created is this like evergreen opportunity to get mentions in guest publications and raise a level of their thought leadership. And it's been continually producing leads for them since we created it. So I think back to that idea of like one powerful piece of content, um, has paid dividends, whereas all of their blog content then is being derived from this one piece. So it's, it's, it's really powerful when you do it the right way. I love it. So that, that repurposing it's you're, you're creating one piece of content and then using it as many different ways as you can. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We also have another client that is a, so they're producing a podcast. So similar to this, this podcast here, but they're using it as an opportunity to build, um, uh, thought leadership credibility among their influencer audience. So I'll position it this way. So think about if you happen to be, um, let's, let's just go back to the real estate example. If you're a real estate agent and you know that, um, people, title companies, lawyers, attorneys, estate planners, like they all work with people who may need new house options or buying and selling. So in the sense, what they're doing is creating a podcast for those folks to build their relationships. So they're using the podcast as actually a relationship building tool to then drive them, uh, into the funnel to, to learn more about what their, what their company does. So I think, um, content can also be a really good relationship builder, um, as well as a, as a content engine. Definitely. Especially if it's providing value to somebody else, which most content does. Yeah. Okay. Talk to me about a customer centric content marketing strategy. What is it? Why it's, why is it important? So customer centric is, assumes that you're going to find out what's most important in the customer's mind. And I'd say even as a marketer is sometimes we, we assume we know a lot about our audience. So for example, Nathan, if, if someone says, how, um, how did you hear about us? What are you going to say? Oh, maybe a friend told me, but if I said, if I asked you what was happening in your life at the time that you, you found our solution. And if I back you up and actually understand what's happening in your life, yeah. I might find out that, oh, you know what? You had just moved or you had just gotten married or you, your software that you were using actually just, uh, you know, the software solution or the software license just expired. Can you share with us some of your top strategies around B2B video marketing? Why is it so important? Maybe share a story or two with us. Yeah, the, the B2B video marketing. Um, so actually I talked about this about probably two months ago. There was a, there's a company called Vidyard. They have a one-to-one -one sales uh, video solution. They talk a lot about B2B video being two-sided. So there's one B2B is, is facilitated in the sales process. So if, if Nathan, you are my prospects and everybody else was emailing you, but I was able to send you a video that told you that I actually cared about you as a person. And then I was giving you personalized feedback versus like, here's my sales offer. You just tend to remember that and, and think of that more fondly than you do of someone that sends you a cold email. So there's yeah. one-to-one -one video. Um, and then the other side is with, with marketing video, um, 
sometimes the same content that you produce in a blog, it is just visually communicated better and people pay attention to it in video because you serve it up in little snippets. And if you do it right, you then keep watching to see what happens. So I think the, the biggest tip I often tell people in B2B video is you have to hook me in the first five seconds. You have to keep opening loops in the video as you watch it. So as you keep going, there's always another thing that they're going to get to that you want to find out at the end. And so you do have to think a lot more, even in content, a lot more like a Hollywood producer that's going to have cliffhangers, not in a sleazy way, but otherwise then you end up with like talking head. Nobody wants to keep watching. Um, any other strategies or stories related to be related to B2B video marketing? Well, I mean, I can definitely tell you a lot of things that, that have gone wrong <laughs> over the okay. years. Yeah, um, please. You know, I, 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 in case it hasn't come across, I have a pretty strong opinion about how, how content marketing, you know, comes out, but I do think there's this like misunderstanding about because people are okay, just, you know, recording zoom these days that you don't, you don't have to edit it, but really good content. So NPR, one of my favorite, favorite podcast networks, um, their podcasts are highly edited. And the reason is because it's put together in a way that allows me to have this experience at the end of it. That's consistent in video. The editing is often, if you're recording a podcast, you, you might, or if you're recording a video, you stop restart, or if someone answers, you know, answer the question, you, it's not as easy as just throwing it up and throwing a logo on it because people won't watch it. At the end of the day, the goal is for someone to watch it or take an action, right? So if that's the case, like how long should the video be? I don't know. What do you want to do with it? So it all comes back to you. What do you want to do with the video? If your video is literally just a, I want people to know I have a video series and it's only because of, I look good. <laughs> Great. That's fine. As long as you know what your goals are. But if like six months into this video project, you're like, Allie, it never drives any leads for me. Well, you didn't say that that was like at the beginning of our project, you said you just wanted to make sure you got six episodes out the door. We didn't talk about lead generation. So I think being clear on what you want to do with video is sounds very simple, but it has to be done up front. Do you have any other thoughts for us of how we could make B2B video content marketing less boring? One of my favorite examples, I, I tried to find it part of this podcast, but I, I, I don't know if they took it down, but Wistia is a video company that you can embed your video in your website with their tool and then use it to, to increase load time or increase dwell time. And, and it, it's a good tool for marketers, but they once had a video where they were explaining, I want to say it was the concept of video marketing and they were comparing it to baking a cake and it was, it was so well done. And so I think like it sticks to me, it sticks with me this day because it was using an analogy that everyone is familiar with. And I think I use a lot of analogies when I do consulting. And my favorite analogy is, is usually the gym and the importance of personal training and just staying the course. Right. But I think if you were able to lean into some popular concepts, pop culture, you can have a little fun with it. Um, into your, like, think about the, the show, um, with their driving trucks basically in Canada and it's, it's, um, heavy haulers or heavy duty or something, but it's a show all about trucks driving on ice. 
Wow. They've made a they've made a series about it, right? But they okay. they figured out how like what are the things that people wanted to watch? Um, what is a little bit of drama? We have to have a little tension, a little entertainment in there. And so I yeah. think I learn a lot from watching documentaries, from watching Netflix, and seeing kind of how they do it. Because I watched a whole documentary about World World War II. Um, I like World War II, but like I watched like six hours of it what did they do to keep me engaged? Because it was all this old footage. And so I just paid attention to like how long things were on the screen. What did they ask about? How did they tease this part out? You know, what was it that kept you, kept you going on what might be a boring topic? You talk about how one of your ex- biggest expertise is bridging the creative and analytical side of marketing. Can you give us a, a little bit more of an example of how you do that and, and uh, maybe a tip or a trick to help other people with that? Yeah. So being really good at, at marketing, I think there's, there's the camp of, uh, I'm just going to pitch really crazy ideas and see if the client likes them. Right. Especially if you're in an agency and then there's the, um, I use data to make decisions and there is little room for, for creativity. Cause I just do what the data tells me. So I firmly believe there's an intersection between the two of those. And I'll give you an example. So there's a tool that, that we use quite often in our content marketing research, and it's called SEMrush or SEMrush, depending on you know which side of the fence you live on. Um, but that tool will allow us to see what people are typing in from a keyword search perspective. If someone's searching for even you know, how to monetize my business, for example, um, that might be a search phrase that they're using. But let's say that it's dominated already by industry or by companies that have really good content. So you could either attack it from a, I'm going to make much better content than them. And, and better is going to mean it answers better questions. It goes further in depth. It's got visuals, it, you know, whatever, or I'm going to say, what are the other ways I could attack this from a data perspective? It looks like they're not ranking over on YouTube or they don't have any content on social about this. And so using that, like analytical mind to find the gaps that you can dig into. And then the creative pieces, how do I not only answer their question, but I also entertain them. And so I think the best tip I have for marketers is look at what's happening outside your industry. Don't look for examples in your industry, go see what's happening. Like I'm super pumped to check out your trucking, um, B2B videos because I I'm sure there's a lot that you can learn from looking at what's happening in manufacturing and how they do it on Nickelodeon that you could pull into your creative process to really, um, you know, bridge that gap. Thank you so much, Allie, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, content marketing allows customers to be informed about their purchase decisions. Number two, choose to focus on thought leadership or search-driven blogging so we can know how to promote our content. Number three, be consistent. Sometimes showing up to play the game is the most important thing with content. Number four, in our content, we should focus on what the customer cares about and how our product or service can help them with that. Number five, regardless of how much content we're putting out, we need to make sure we promote, promote, promote. Number six, our web chat should be tailored to the specific pages it's on. It doesn't need to be on every page of our website. Number seven, to understand what's happening in our customers' lives and find out how to help them better, we should have a customer-centric marketing strategy. Number eight, we can make good use of our content by repurposing it. Number nine, we can use our content to build relationships with our audience. 
Number 10, B2B video marketing can be fun and creative when we draw on popular concepts, pop culture, and more. Number 11, use both data and creativity to inform our content marketing decisions. If you enjoyed this interview and want to learn more about Allie or connect with her, you can find her on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also check out HubSpot Hacks on YouTube or visit her website, simplestat.com. And there's links to all of those sites in the blog post for this episode, which you can find on monetizationnation.com. Do you want to be a better digital monetizer? Then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, you can subscribe to the free Monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com. Number two, you can subscribe to the Monetization Nation podcast or YouTube channel. And number three, please follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. Have you used any of these content marketing strategies? If so, how did it go? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in your content marketing. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.